A special thanks goes out to the folks at Spotify for bringing you this podcast. Hello again, everyone. Today, science writer and paleontologist Riley Black talks about the extinction of the dinosaurs, as only she knows how. I'm Tom Zania, and this is Tom Read Your Story. Coming to you almost live, it's time once again for Tom Reads Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast on the web for audiobooks, social media posts, current events, and just plain whatever. So let's start the show. For the next half hour, I'll be your host. I'm voice actor and podcaster, Tom Zania. And we are back. Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Tom Read Your Story, the number one spoken word podcast in America, bringing you great stuff every week. I hope you joined me last week for my little tribute. I wish it could have been a lot longer. Uh, My tribute to uh, Tony Bennett. And I will be listening to his records for many, many years to come. And I'm sure you will be as well. Um, Here's just a little announcement. Uh, Next week, I'm going to take the day off. There will be no new podcast episode next week. I'm going on a little vacation if you can call it that. Uh, well, it's, you know, I'm, I'm visiting family. And that means I'll be gone for a few days and I really won't have a, the the necessary amount of time to put together an episode of Tom Read Your Story. You can, of course, listen to a previous episode by just going to Spotify, or to whoever your podcast provider is and go to my uh, episode, excuse me, my um, podcast and, uh, and scroll down and choose from 170 episodes while I'm gone. Okay? So don't, you know, don't let the fact that I'm going uh, to visit my family as some something where I'm, you know, blowing off work or anything. No, I'm not. I'm just taking a little time off. And I'll be back the week after. So that's, that's my little announcement for the day. Um, you know, I, I've said before, uh, I'm sort of a space geek. But along with being a space geek, I've also... Uh, had some interest since asteroids have to do with space uh, about asteroids uh, that have impacted the earth. Uh, This asteroid did away with the dinosaurs. It's called the Chicxulub event. And 
there, you know, I, I, I've watched many YouTube documentaries about that event that caused the extinction of the dinosaur. And uh, some of them are really good. Some of them I could watch time and time again. They're very interesting. Um, but since I can't really run a video episode on an audio-only podcast, I wanted to get something that was written. And the problem is when you look for stuff in science, um, about a scientific event or something having to do with science. Uh, the writing isn't always very exciting. Uh, I did find this particular entry. Um, this is, I want to get the title of this, The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, An Asteroid Extinction and the Beginning of Our World by Riley Black. And this is some really nice writing. This is something I think you're going to really, really like. And I want to tell you a little bit about Riley uh, Black. Riley Black. And I'm reading from her website. Riley has been a fossil fanatic since the time she was knee-high to a stegosaurus. <laughs> Her evolution into a science writer and amateur paleontologist was only natural. Based in Salt Lake City, Utah, right in the center of dinosaur country, she chases tales of vanished lives from museum collections to remote badlands. A prolific writer, Riley wrote her popular Laylapse blog, I'm not sure what that means, for publications such as Wired, National Geographic, and Scientific American for more than a decade. Her fossil-filled tweets have led Business Insider to call her one of the top science social media wizards, and HLN to dub her one of Twitter's coolest geeks as well. And she was the host of Parallax Films' Dynalogue, and in a childhood dream come true, Riley was also hired to be the resident paleontologist for Jurassic World. In 2022, she also appeared as part of the Nova documentaries Alaskan Dinosaurs and Dinosaur Apocalypse. She freelances for a variety of publications from National Geographic to Slate and was written, excuse me, has written 10 books in as many years. Her first, written in stone, that's the title, it was an exploration about what evolution's great transitions tell us about our place in nature. You know, I it kind of goes on from there. This is a very fine writer, and I want you to listen to part of the introduction to her book, The Last Days of the Dinosaurs. The Last Days of the Dinosaurs, An Asteroid, Extinction, and the Beginning of Our World by Riley Black Introduction Picture yourself in the Cretaceous period. It's a day like most any other, 
a sunny afternoon in the Hell Creek of ancient Montana, about 66 million years ago. The ground is a bit mushy, a fetid muck saturated from recent rains that caused a nearby floodplain stream to overrun its banks. If you didn't know any better, you might think you were wading on the edge of a Gulf Coast swamp on a midsummer day. Magnolias and dogwoods shoulder their way into stands of conifers, ferns, and other low-lying plants, gently waving in the light breeze, drifting over the open ground you now stand upon. But a familiar face soon reminds you that this is a different time. A triceratops horridus ambles along the edge of the forest, three-foot-long brow horns slightly swaying to and fro as the pudgy dinosaur shuffles its scaly ten-ton bulk over the damp earth. The dinosaur is a massive quadruped, seemingly a big, tough-skinned platform meant to support a massive head decorated with a shield-like frill jutting from the back of the skull. A long horn over each eye, a short nose horn, and a parrot-like beak great for snipping vegetation that is ground to messy pulp by the plant-eater's cheek teeth. The massive herbivore snorts, making some unseen mammal chitter and scramble in alarm somewhere in the shaded depths of the woods. At this time of the day, with all the sun still high and temperatures above 80 degrees, there's barely another dinosaur in sight, the only other terrible lizards plainly in view, are a couple of birds perched on a gnarled branch, peeking out from just inside the shadow of the forest. The avians seem to grin, their tiny insect-snatching teeth jutting from their beaks. This is where we'll watch the age of dinosaurs come crashing to a fiery close. In a matter of hours, everything before us will be wiped away. Lush, verdure will be replaced with fire. Sunny skies will grow dark with soot. Carpets of vegetation will be reduced to ash. Contorted carcasses dappled with cracked skin will soon dot the raised landscape. Tyrannosaurus rex, the tyrant king, will be toppled from their throne along with every other species of non-avian dinosaur, no matter their size, diet, or disposition. After more than 150 million years of shaping the world's ecosystems and diversifying into an unparalleled saurian menagerie, the terrible lizards will come within a feather's breadth of total annihilation. We know the birds survive, and even thrive, in the aftermath of what's to come. A small flock of avian species will carry on their family's banner, perched to begin a new chapter of the dinosaurian story that will unfold through tens of millions of years to our modern era. But our favorite dinosaurs, in all their toothy, spiked, horned, and clawed glory, will vanish in the blink of an eye, leaving behind scraps of skin, feather, and bone that will unearth eons later as the only clues to let us know that such fantastic reptiles ever existed. Through such unlikely and delicate preservation, our favorite dinosaurs will become creatures that defy tents, their remains still with us, but stripped of their vitality, simultaneously existing in the present and the past. 
the non-avian dinosaurs won't be the only creatures to be so harshly cut back. The great bat-winged pterosaurs, some with the same stature as a giraffe, will die. Flyers like Quetzalcoatlus, with a wingspan wider than a Cessna, and capable of circumnavigating the globe, will disappear just as quickly as the non-avian dinosaurs. In the seas, the quad-paddled, long-necked plesiosaurs and the Komodo dragon cousins, called mosasaurs, will go extinct, as well as invertebrates like the coil-shelled squid cousins, the ammonites, and flat reef-building clams bigger than a toilet seat. The diminutive and unprepossessing won't get a pass, either. Even among the surviving families of the Cretaceous world, there will be dramatic losses. Marsupial mammals will almost be wiped out in North America, with lizards, snakes, and birds all suffering their own decimation, too. Creatures of the freshwater rivers and ponds will be among the few to get any sort of reprieve. Crocodiles, strange reptilian crocodile mimics called champsosaurs, fish, turtles, and amphibians will be far more resilient in the face of the impending disaster, their lives spared by literal inches. We know the ecological murder weapon behind this Cretaceous case study. An asteroid or similar body of space rock some seven miles across slammed into Earth, leaving a geologic wound over 50 miles in diameter. Most species from the Cretaceous disappeared in the aftermath. It's difficult to stress the point strongly enough. The loss of the dinosaurs was just the tip of the ecological iceberg. Virtually no environment was left untouched by the extinction, an event so severe that the oceans themselves almost reverted to a soup of single-celled organisms. We are fearfully enraptured with the idea of such terrible devastation. When the impact at the end of the Cretaceous was scientifically confirmed, news of the disaster inspired not one, but two blockbuster films about plant-killing asteroids in the summer of 1998. That such a huge rock could kill more than half of Earth's known species suddenly seemed as obvious as the lethality of a gunshot. Simply knowing the terrible consequences of this disaster has been enough for us to look at the night sky with continued suspicion. If it happened before, it may happen again. NASA keeps an eye on the sky through their sentry program hoping to identify threatening asteroids and comets before they get too near. Another disaster killed off a great number of crocodile relatives that ruled the land and gave dinosaurs their shot at dominance. Once again, intense eruptions were to blame. Greenhouse gases belched into the atmosphere, spurring a burst of global warming followed by intense global cooling. Atmospheric oxygen levels dropped, the seas became more acidic, and the drastic shifts between too hot and too cold were too much for many species to cope with. Life had suffered a major shock. Something terrible had clearly befallen Earth's biota. 
The answer didn't come from fossils themselves, but from the rock that entombed them. Battered quartz crystals, vast amounts of prehistoric soot, and a rare metal called iridium, found just at the geological levels where the fossil record of non-avian dinosaurs disappears, suggested that some kind of extraterrestrial body had slammed into our planet. First proposed in 1980, at the fevered height of a new scientific interest in dinosaur biology, the idea set off an academic firestorm akin to the very impact it described. Paleontologists, geologists, and astrophysicists fought as fiercely as tyrannosaurs in conferences and journals over the proper interpretation of the results. But the discovery of an enormous impact crater in the Yucatan Peninsula in the 1990s settled the debate. A massive asteroid about seven miles across had struck Earth at just the moment the extinction becomes apparent in the strata. Nothing like this had ever been seen before. Physicists calculated that the initial impact that created the Chicxulub crater in Central America would have been powerful enough to blow away terrestrial dinosaurs in the vicinity off into space. But it wasn't just the initial hit that sparked the extinction. The aftereffects of this dramatic event tipped the scales against the terrible lizards and many, many other forms of life. Isn't that great? I really enjoyed that. And I hope you did too, because this brings us to the end of yet another episode of Tom Needs Your Story. Portions were pre-recorded. Okay? All right. Please tell your friends if you enjoyed your visit today, because we're always looking for new ones. Thanks, Anchor.fm, for this opportunity. Wait a minute. It's not Anchor.fm, folks. It's Spotify. The big Spotify that will eat you and spit you out. Uh, thanks, Spotify, for this opportunity. I greatly appreciate it. Let's go out with some good dinosaur music. I'm Tom Zania for Tom Read Your Story. Thanks for coming, everyone. Bye now.
This is Tom Zania. For more information on my availability for your e-learning, commercial, or audiobook project, visit my website at www.tomzvoices.weebly.com. We hope you visit us again real soon for another episode of Tom Reads Your Story.